0: Trivia time! Guess on average how many years it takes a PT to feel the first signs of burnout. Today we're going to talk about burnout, what it is, some reasons it can happen, and most importantly, strategies to help you prevent it. Welcome to Therapists in Motion podcast brought to you by Spooner Physical Therapy. And welcome back to the Therapist in Motion podcast series. A warm welcome from sunny Goodyear, Arizona today. I'm your host, Jennifer Lee, actually on my first solo podcast, whoa, whoa. which I'm super proud of. Um, I can't believe they entrusted me with this equipment. I'm going to try and do two things. Number one, make this as valuable as I can for you listeners. Number two, try not to break the equipment in the process. If I can do those things... I'll be considering myself successful. So today I have the privilege of podcasting from my clinic home, Spooner Physical Therapy in Goodyear. I'm joined via phone call from Houston, Texas by none other than the Triplane Tweakmaster, The Matrix Playa, the 3D doctor of Physical Therapy, Dr. Andrew Walquist, and Paul Guyano. Thanks for joining me guys.
1: Oh, wow, that was like the best introduction I've ever had and it's not just Paul Galliano. Um, he's, he's he's also all those things plus um, leader of the free world I believe.
2: But uh, she knew <laughs> that you couldn't compete with you know what do we got the, the Matrix player, the Triplane tweak master. I mean <laughs> she just said you know what just let Andrew take this you can't compare with Andrew so it's okay we'll be good to go from there and now, now you have a lot to live up to and I can just smooth slightly by.
0: <laughs> As he like dumbs himself down yeah right absolutely not. So If you guys were listening to the intro, uh, we asked a trivia question. The the question was, guess on average how many years it takes a PT to feel the first signs of burnout. Do you guys have a guess?
2: Mm, Ten years.
0: Ten years, Paul?
2: First sign? I'm going to go with three years.
0: Three years? Nice. On average, I mean, on average, I'm going to just give you the answer right away, is seven years. Seven years. But I got to be honest, we go to school for seven years. We are servants. We're excited when we get into this field. We're going to school for seven years. We come out with our doctorates. We're focusing all of our energy on helping others. And then within that same amount of time that it even took us to get our degree, we're burnt out. I mean, to me, it's unacceptable. What do you guys think?
1: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, you spend a lot of time and money that – you know, you were not going to get back in life and to only be in a profession just for a little bit of that time. That does surprise me. It's, it's seven years. That's sad. Yeah.
0: yeah, I completely agree with you. So just like we love doing here at Spooner Physical Therapy, we're going to try this thing, which means we're going to take three different variables with the central theme of burnout. And we're going to try to understand what, why and how about burnout. So what it is, why it happens. And how in the world can we try to help prevent it um, at any cost? Because it is super expensive to go to school and you're spending a lot of your time, a lot of your money, and most people come out and they're super passionate about it. So what happens the you know after that? So the first thing, what what they always like to tell me I like to do is define things. <laughs> I like to know the definitions of the terms that I use. So for, for the first part, what is the definition of burnout? I looked on the APTA, and they say burnout is defined as a feeling of emotional or physical exhaustion coupled with a sense of frustration and failure. You guys have any thoughts on that definition? Or have any experience with it whatsoever yet? No?
1: That kind of sounds like that almost sounds like almost divorce, yeah <laughs> emotional physical <personal laughs> exhaustion like like a bad relationship like break up I
0: mean, <laughs> you're done move on
1: <laughs> I mean that's I mean that's really sad if that's if that's burnout I mean but it makes sense that that's where people do you know leave they they do separate from their from their profession yeah i I like the fact with that um you said it was a sense of frustration um that I don't know if people readily recognize that they're frustrated when they're burnt out, mm-hmm. um, but I, I do like the fact that that is thrown thrown in there. That I'm wondering if that's one of those uh, first feelings. I mean, there's plenty of times I feel frustrated personally throughout the day, um, whether it's with patients or the fact that I'm not I'm not getting a patient better as fast as I'd like them to, or or whatever it is. And so, I think that it might be fun to talk a little bit about how, yeah how how you manage frustration, how Paul manages frustration. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, That happens on the daily for me because that's part of my personality. I get frustrated. I'm up and down. And at the end of the day for me, I have I've experienced burnout, I would say, probably once in my career. And it was when I was getting bored, Um, frustrated with what I knew or didn't know and getting stuck with patients and That was a different feeling than what I get on a normal day-to-day when I have a lot of patients and I'm just stressed and, you know, a patient's not happy or whatever it may be. That's a completely different feeling. Frustration through the day for me is normal. Burnout is completely different. (laughs) Paul, have you felt it before?
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we all have ebbs and flows as far as how we're feeling emotionally and how we're doing. Because obviously lots of things in life and whatnot will contribute to this as well, but yeah, I may mean, I agree. The frustration is is something you can deal with and we all know it seems like you have a good string of patients all doing great and everything's going smooth and you can almost feel the difficult crazy, challenging individuals coming through. And I think something you said that really hit to me was when I felt bored. And I don't think I ever feel bored with patients because every patient's different. I think for me especially, it's uh, am I challenging myself in a learning aptitude and doing something that really strikes me as, again, why I went into this profession and continue to further and develop myself. Otherwise, I do start to become um, complacent, uh, frustrated. And I, the failure really speaks to me a lot as well in that definition. You start questioning them, God, is it really worth – why are they going to me? Is it worth going to me? Am I doing all I should be doing for this individual? Am I as successful as I need to be with them? I I feel like that that question can crop up into people's heads pretty easily as these types of feelings and sensations come through.
0: Absolutely. Um, And I appreciate that we're even talking about this. I feel like it's a very taboo subject in – any job, but specifically in healthcare, um, it's almost hush hush. Don't talk about it. You can feel it, but just keep keep grinding it out. Um, but it, you know, it's relevant. It Happens to each and every one of us. For me specifically, whenever I look at that definition of feeling of emotional and physical exhaustion coupled with a sense of frustration and failure, I don't see it as a this and that. I see it as a cause and effect. And for me, that frustration and failure or the sense of being bored and not doing well with patients is going to lead to frustration, is going to lead to emotional and physical exhaustion. Because I have yet to meet somebody that's being very, very successful with their patients and isn't getting energy from that. You get energy from that when you're in the right space, when when your passion is intersecting with your talent. Um, There's a podcast I love listening to that the, the guy's whole goal of his entire podcast of his entire career is to put people into their passion where they're supposed to be because he says 70 percent of people that work aren't working in their sweet spot aren't in their field that they really love i feel like for us we're lucky because there's probably a majority of us that really feel like we're meant to be in this field um but something happens within the first like i said seven years or so uh that Kind of turns it around. So I want to know why would someone feel exhausted? I mean,
2: well, I think it's really interesting too what you said. Unless it's kind of a, a taboo subject, you're expected mm-hmm. to be plugged in all the time. Or people always say, "Oh yeah, find a good work life balance. Find a good work work life balance." Um, but don't go into significant details about it. It's a little comical to me that when we look at, you go to schools and kind of courses and they push so hard on treat the whole patient, treat the whole person. Um, look at psychosocial uh, contributions to the patient and then somehow we kind of forget to contribute or apply the same thought process to ourselves. <laughs> How are we doing outside of work? How are we doing with our personal lives? How are you doing with other things that add additional stress? Because the job is stressful. You have painful people, typically, that are in front of you that want to feel better, that oftentimes have just been sent to physical therapy without a true understanding of what therapy is or thinking you can't actually help them, that don't understand what they're going to be going through, that want to be better, that want to get back to their lives, um, and you need to be helping all of them at the same level. And then you couple that with the challenges everyone can face in usual day-to-day life. That can that can be emotionally overwhelming real <laughs> quick for people. We don't always yep. look at that piece and that whole picture for us as we do with our patients.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I totally just
1: love what you said, Paul, about how you, people don't spend the time and really reflect. I mean, a lot of people can look at their schedule at the end of the day and be, say, oh, man, I saw X many patients or look at that boat. How do, how do I feel about today? You know, what are, you know, what are the feelings that I'm having all those psychosocial things? How are the relationships with my colleagues going? Cause all that I, I would imagine really factors into burnout. I mean, it can't just be about patients just grinding you down. I mean, there's a lot of things that can, that, that can wear you down from a, from an emotional point of view and leave you frustrated and leaving that you have a lot of those failures.
0: Yeah. A thousand percent. And if I'm honest for me specifically, I think in my times of burnout, it wasn't necessarily, I mean, a little bit with the patients and not really knowing where to go and what to do with them, but it's the other things through your day. It's maybe momentarily not getting along with your technician, or I have this random patient thrown on my schedule that I don't know where they came from, and I don't know what to do with them, um, and those little frustrations through the day that if you're right. If I'm prepared, it's one thing to go through my day, but on the other end of it, reflecting is often, in my mind much more positive. My preparation is stress control, and how do I make this as smooth as I can, knowing that it's going to change as I go through my day. And the reflection is, okay, how did I do? What did I learn? Who is getting better? Who's not getting better? Um, What are options that I have for people that aren't getting better? So in addition to that, there's time constraints, there's documentation. It could be that you're working in the wrong setting because physical therapy has so many different settings that you could be working in, uh, it could be any of those or other factors, and even that can lead to burnout. Can you guys comment a little bit on on those factors or any others that you could think of that people might be, might be the source of their burnout?
2: I know one of the biggest frustrations that I felt, I experienced. Um, And in my role going around within the company and talking to other therapists, especially newer therapists, one of the more common reoccurring themes I have is a lack of respect. And I don't think anyone immediately expects to just have everyone walk in and listen to everything I say and respect everything I do. Um, But it can be quite frustrating, especially for a new grad when you come out and you sit down and you go through all this great information with your patient. You have this nice objective report. You think things are going well. And then, so, do you have to go to school for this?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know you're not a doctor, but... (laughs) As the
2: dollar signs in your head are popping up like, oh my God, I'm going to kill you. Or look at your referring (laughs) providers. I mean, nowadays I do think uh, MD, DO, the schools are doing a much better job promoting physical therapy, helping them to understand, but not all. And there are still plenty of doctors out there that don't see what therapy can do now, don't see what therapy is, don't... Uh, quite frankly, respect what our thought process is, what our profession is, what we do, what we can contribute. And as much as you want to get everyone in and show everyone what we know and just download all information, it's never going to happen. But that's a challenge because you are always fighting against public perception, uh, perception within the health realm itself, uh, and that can really eat at you. And it's something I, I think I've heard darn near every therapist that I've worked with go through at one point or another to some degree. I don't know, Andrew, have you felt that yourself or other thoughts on it? <clears throat>
1: Oh, absolutely! I mean, again, Paul, you hit the nail on the head with with a lot about about respect and and another way I like to view that is just having a voice. I mean, I remember that I had a clinical instructor um, that at one time he really thought that you know the best thing for him would be to go back to school to become a orthopedic surgeon. You know, and I think some of that was just because he felt like he didn't really have a voice. He didn't really have really the respect coming from the patients and those people around him, and and that's where I believe that if people really realize the power and potential that physical therapy has to change an individual's life, not only from a physical standpoint, but from a mind and spiritual standpoint, Mm -hmm. that's where a person can, that's where the therapist that might be experiencing some burnout say, Hey, you know, even despite all these other little factors that are going on my day after reflecting upon it, that suck. You know what? I'm gifted with a great set of skills that I can really help patients. Yes. It might not be on an operating table, but it's amazing to see, and and to where I that helps me curb me personally, mm-hmm. a lot of those feelings of burnout, is just latching onto some of those really good success stories. I mean, yeah. if the if the definition of burnout has failure in it, I think that the definition to avoid failure has the opposite meaning. So if success uh, so if failure awesome. means that you are burnout, what about success? Will that make you look at the bright side of your day? Will that make you realize the voice that you do have with that certain demographic of patients? And that's where, for me, I feel like that's one of the best ways that I feel that is a warning sign for me whenever I'm feeling like maybe I'm starting to backslide. Because for me, it's not like you're burnt out. It's it's kind of like that candle that ends up flickering out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like it's all of a sudden blown out and that, that you just leave. It, it's a slow, gradual process. And I think for me, one of the things that I see is, at the end of my day, am I focusing on the, all the things, all the crap that happened, the issues that I'm having, or am I focusing on really the success stories? And it's those success stories that keep me coming back. I mean, it's like when I talk to golfers. Golf, golf is a terrible game, especially <laughs> whenever you have a bad day. But what brings those people back are those one or two really clean shots that they hit, and that's what g- g- brings them back, mm-hmm. lets them practice more and more to become better at their craft. I think we can apply that same thought process physical
2: therapy. It's funny too, because what you said is I literally went through the exact same thing um, from that instructor's perspective. About two years out, I was fed up. I wasn't enjoying it. I wasn't happy. Uh, I didn't initially plan on going to physical therapy school when I went into school. So I had a bunch of advanced sciences, biochem orgo. I had all the stuff I needed prereq wise to go back to medical school. I was literally on Amazon looking at MCAT study books um, when I started yeah. reflecting a little bit further into some of the exact same things Andrew was just talking about um, and kind of reminded myself a little bit of, a, you know, I love the time I get with patients. I love looking at every person as a puzzle. I love trying to figure out what is happening mobility-wise for the individual and what can I do to address that others can't. I love the person that comes through and has failed therapy other places or uh, failed surgeries or just just failed again we keep talking about the word you know frustration and failure and wanting to be the one that finds success for them wanting to be the one that can look beyond things when there isn't an immediate surgical need or a pill that magically gets them there that's what gets me excited and gets me going and that's the contribution I love making mm-hmm. and, and that gave me a little bit more energy and then I again like you said Jen reflected on myself and said you know I'm is this all really a work thing or are there other things I need to be doing for my own health my own everything and looking the whole picture and saying you know what I just might be jumping the gun and doing a little bit of the grass is greener thing, not really fully appreciating the picture of do I need to fix everything here or I'm just going to jump from one burnout issue to another burnout issue to another burnout issue, never finding happiness or success with any of them.
0: Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. It's part of, yeah, do I feel burnout, but why do I feel burnout? Is it even within the professional part of myself that I feel burnout? Do I feel burnt out personally? Do I feel burnt out spiritually? Being able to – reflect within yourself introspectively and see, okay, what is it? What part of me is it? And then, okay, what are the strategies that I can have once I know what part of me it is to figure out why in the world this is happening? Andrew, with your example of the surgeon or the guy that wanted to go back and be a surgeon, my mind automatically goes to, okay, is that a professional problem? Is that a problem with our profession and not having that much respect? Or is that a personal problem and he's not confident enough to show where he stands and how much he knows to the patients. Because then you'll have the patients on the opposite end, different examples where they're like, well, you know way more than my doctor. I'm coming to you first before I go to anybody else. And so <laughs> I feel like you know, there, there's two sides to every coin, but I guess it kind of depends on where you're putting most of your energy. So then continuing on this, I went ahead in this journey of thinking and about burnout and why it would happen. And I sent an email to... All the seasoned clinicians or some of the seasoned clinicians here at Spooner. So these guys are anywhere between 12 to 30 years of practice. They're all super successful in their own right. Um and much of a, much of what they said actually was very, very similar. So I'm gonna share this with you guys because I feel like this is a true gold mine. Um so it's basically a list of ways to prevent burnout from directors, owners, even the CEO uh of Spooner Physical Therapy. So one of them, one of the main things that they said was to make time for friends and family and yourself. Basically diversify your life, balance out your life, understand that you're not just a physical therapist. You are father, mother, husband, wife, friend, partner, and and what about that part of yourself? Are you are you neglecting it? Are you challenging yourself really in all parts of your life? Um, and we've spoke to that a little bit already. Uh, another one that they talked about was find the good or focus on outcomes within the clinic. So find the good about the day. Find the coworkers that you get along with, the patients that bring you up and are super positive, the outcomes that are good, and really focus on that. Like Andrew had alluded to earlier, what are the really good success stories that I have? Um, and can can I repeat that? Am my challenged to repeat it? Another one was... Uh, having a variety of patients or having a variety of niche practices being able to get your hands into a workers comp community or going for surgery observation and or pediatrics and just really kind of expanding your your practice that way that way you're not getting stuck in just getting handed whatever comes through the door to you you're actually active and seeking out what you're looking to treat um, and then don't let yourself get bored. Be proactive. If you really see that you're you're sliding, what are you interested in with continuing education? You know, where, where do you see your professional self sliding at that moment? Be proactive about seeking out what you feel like you're going to need. Another one similar to that was just a, acquire skill set to allow options for treatment. So going to different continuing education courses, stimulating your mind in different ways. Um, one of them even said, you know, puzzles and things like that, going to meetings where you're stimulated and you have to kind of think in a different way, which I love about Spooner because we do that fairly frequently with our therapists. Um, and then one of my favorite was, was just to prepare your day or plan ahead so that you know what to expect. You see it coming and that you can control it and you can handle a little, a little bit more, which for me and my personality is a beautiful one. I love that one. (laughs) What do you guys think of those?
2: One thing I didn't hear you say that I'm interested in is saying no. Yeah. Um, You know, that can be a challenging thing. And I look at a new grad or not even a new grad, but a new to a company. You want to show your worth. You want to show your value. You don't want to say no. You you don't want to be the person that says no. You want to be the yes, man. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, whoever. Or maybe you're an established therapist and you feel like you have to lead your team by example and you can't say no to the walk-in patient. You can't say no to the extra eval. You can't say no to the patient who needs to be accommodated because they're going to come in at 414 on a Thursday on the 13th day of the month. <laughs> or you have that that time where you've been in the practice for a long time and you've developed a big following and you are seen as the entry level into the healthcare community. And you have a patient email you that needs to get in because significant pain and you don't want to fail them because you've worked so hard. To be able to get that relationship and that respect from them, how do you say no to that? I mean, Andrew, when you have these challenges, can you say no? Do you say no? What are your strategies to say no to a person and not get overwhelmed by it?
1: And that's where there's the three C's, being calm, cool, collected. Yeah. it's not something that I think that it's a learned skill. I mean, I mean, for me, I think my best teacher has been failure all along and the times that I've had that I've said yes. And at the very end, Whenever you're reflecting across a day, and you and you're trying to pick out the, the, any kind of positive, and whenever you just realize you just overbooked yourself, you say that really didn't go well. I mean, my was my heart in the right position? I believe it was. I mean, I was trying to say yes to everyone, trying to make my patients happy, make my boss happy, make my wife happy, make my kids happy when I get home. You know, but at some point, you do have to say no to to get to that to that balance. And I think again, that comes just through. Through through that reflection, so I don't know if there's a really great way to say no other than just to figure out what your lines are. I yeah. feel like, especially as a new grad, you don't have those professional lines drawn or personal lines drawn in mean, which you say, "This is unacceptable to me." You know, for some new grads, they're just like, "Okay, yeah, it's acceptable to me to take some documentation home," and 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 so then all of a sudden then they have. Four hours of documentation to do at at the end of every single day, just because they didn't get anything done uh, during the day. You know, well, what? How, how did that come to be? I mean, there was just obviously there was not a line drawn towards you say past this line is unacceptable for my. You know, my work-life balance, for my mental health, for my spiritual health, for my family health, for my finances. You know, and so I think the best thing to do, what I encourage is, is draw that line. Draw that line right now. Yeah. Even if you really don't know, well, at least talk with someone that knows you, uh, that respects you professionally. Talk to your significant other and say, okay, well, really, what is acceptable about this? Where can we draw this line? So whenever I cross it. Hopefully, I will, me personally, I will recognize those sides when I cross it. But even maybe have an accountability partner. Maybe that's your technician. Hey, if I ever do this, can you just, if I'm ever thinking about this, can you just slap me across the face and say no (laughs) for me so that I know that I'm not going to do this and put and make everyone miserable and make myself less efficient and, and good at my job?
0: Absolutely. I think for me, my mind goes to, I would love to say no, but I literally don't know how to say no. And I'm worried about what the patient on the opposite end of that no is going to feel. So one of my coworkers, the director here, Kenny, has been great at teaching me how to communicate whether or not he knows he has or not. He does now. Um, <laughs> but he will say, you know, you, you, you word it positively. If you have a patient, you can't get in and they showed up at the wrong time I would love to treat you, but I can't today. What they hear is, I would love to treat you. I really love that you're here. We'll see if somebody else can get you on the schedule, but I need to spend more time with you, and I don't have that time with you today. So it's kind of boxing it in a more positive way, and you still get your sanity. You still get your no. You just don't have to say no. <laughs>
1: yeah, And yeah. I and I believe that generally in, the, in those situations, patients... For the most part get it that they're not so Absolutely. crazy that they that that they demand that or they're, they're all of a sudden going to write a bad review on you on yelp or something that that if you just say especially framing it in the right direction more more often than not when you do say no i do believe that there's a certain amount of respect that you all do you, you get from that as well because you value your product so much that you're willing to protect it Absolutely. and if, again if a lot of this um, burnout is coming from maybe a lack of feeling respected well you can first respect yourself enough to know that what you have is valuable and that you want to protect that as much as you can. So you can continue to sh- to show that to others.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I mean, your whole first day, your evaluation is I'm going to spend more around an hour with you, giving you one-on-one personal care, attention and education on this is why we're going to do this. I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And then if they come in on that day where they're not on your schedule, that's not going to happen. They're going to spend most of the time with the technician. And not that that's a bad thing, but in your mind, you have to kind of reconcile what, what do they really need in that moment and how can I reframe this that's going to be you know better for them in the long run. Yeah,
2: and I think it's so important to do kind of what you said and have, offer a solution whether that solution is uh, my colleague who takes excellent care of individuals can help you, or you know what I can't do today, but how's your availability Thursday, Friday, next week, or you know I want to take care of things here, what can we do to keep things going? If you offer a solution and show a control of the situation, it helps. And then exactly what you said, um, <clears throat> patients, they, they tend to respect it. They understand they're coming to you for a reason. Yes, we'll always have that one patient that comes through that has the absurd demand that is they're unpleasable. And those are tough. You can smell them out though. We know what those are. But for the bulk times, they respect what you're saying. And then, like you said, you do garner a greater amount of respect by saying, this is what I can do. This is what I can't do. Here are the limitations. Here's where I can give you what I know you need. And you're establishing yourself as the, the, the leader, as the healthcare provider in that situation. Then others will tend to follow suit with that, that calm, cool confidence. Kind of like what Andrew was saying. I know cool is not one of his C's, but I like that one in there anyway.
0: Should be four C's. Four C's instead of three C's. Oh, yeah, nice. <laughs> okay, so we got the what, we got the why, but we got to focus on the how. There's different aspects about the how specific to burnout, but how do you even recognize when you're starting to burn out? What do you guys think?
1: I, for me, I think something that's been fun doing uh, like various like technician reviews throughout the year is just saying, what's your job satisfaction? I think that number, like zero to ten. So just like the pain scale, Mm -hmm. um, I think that can be a good barometer of, of maybe how burnt out someone is or how much they're really liking their job. I mean, very rarely do you get someone that's 10 out of 10. This is my, my, my best job ever. Um, or this is my best profession ever. But you know, if, if you're teetering at like a five or six or below, I mean, that's where I think that, you know, doing some self-reflection and figuring out what are those steps you have to make to make it a little bit of a better job, a better work environment.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's, um, looked online at one of the APTA's websites and they had a list of things that you could look for, which I'm not gonna remember them off the top of my head, but one of them was just approaching your day with dread. Uh, negativity. As soon as your alarm alarm goes off, you're worried about your whole day and dreading even coming into the clinic. You know, that's a that's a big one that I'm sure we have, all of us have every once in a while, but is it a consistent thing that you're feeling all the time? Or when patients come to you and they say they have pain or they still have pain, and you're inside yourself talking, of course you do, or negative things about it that really don't help the situation and don't mean that you're actually active, not actively listening to the patient in that moment, um, you're starting to become your own stumbling block. Those are two of the biggest ones I saw on that list that that uh, kind of hit home for me. Is those those would be more red flags if they're consistent. Another one was that if you're in meetings with, with therapists or, or staff meetings, whatever it may be, um, starting to disengage, fall asleep, you don't care what's going on. Um, that's kind of a telltale sign that, okay, I'm not really engaged in what's going on in my clinic. Do I, do I have a passion for this clinic? Am I in the right place? Do I need to start reflecting on, do I need to change Why am I not happy? Is it other parts of my life, my personal life that I'm stressed out about and then I can't sleep at night so I'm tired at work? You know, it could be a million different things, but that was one of the things on the list that they had said.
2: I think it goes back to your frustration point Mm -hmm. too. Um, Are you aware of it? And your frustration might come out in the form of, why should I bother? Why should I make this change? I don't mean like why should I bother the patient, but the front office did something I don't like. Why should I even bother telling them they're just going to screw it up again? Or I saw this activity that I didn't think it was the way things should be handled, but it's fine. Nothing terrible is going to happen. Why should I bother? If you start feeling yourself pulling away from a situation and lacking care, again, it, it, it might be a, you're becoming frustrated and feeling overwhelmed that things aren't the way they should be, which they're never always going to fall into that capacity. Um, but that's when you have to look back and say, okay, do I need to? how do I need to address this? Importantly, because you should always be looking to better the entire profession and everyone you work with. But two, is there something that's limiting me from wanting to put the amount of dedication and care into this, or again, am I having that just sensation of dread, or that sensation of you know what, it's just it's not worth it, it's not going to happen, it's not going to work out? It, it, why even why should I put myself through that stress? Often that's that's getting into burnout and that feeling of frustration and helplessness.
1: Yeah, and Paul, do you think that that's readily uh, some of those traits you can really see on someone's flow sheet, a therapist's flow sheet, just by if they're starting to kind of coast and check out?
2: <laughs> D- definitely. Oh, most definitely. I mean, you can tell. I mean, yeah, you never know. It's short-term snapshots, there's ebbs and flows. You might have a bunch of people come through that really don't need a lot of progression and creativity. Those, those times are going to happen. But yes, I think when people are actively involved and engaged, you're looking and the flow sheet is changing. Things are interesting and uh, the patient is probably going to say, wow, this is this cool. This is different. I like this. I'm getting a good appreciation, a different experience here that I might feel other places as opposed to mm-hmm. same monotonous, repetitive uh, simplistic, less thought going into it. That it would definitely be a certain warning sign that I think you could definitely pick up upon looking at flow sheets, even manual therapy documentation, however the person treats. I think it could definitely present its head in that capacity.
0: And the bad thing about that is if I'm doing that, then I'm going to get stuck in a rut doing that. And that's going to just perpetuate the whole thing that's happening to me in in the first place. Because if, if I'm... Stimulated, and I'm critically thinking and really trying to be specific and individual with those with my patients' programs. Then for me, I get more out of it and it feeds me just like exercising. Yeah, it takes energy to get energy, but it almost takes energy professionally to get energy professionally as well. Um,
1: Uh-oh. so, so I, spicing up your flow sheet that sounds like it. a great hey, next podcast.
0: <laughs> I think we could probably talk forever on this, but yeah, we will. Most likely, come back with another. How um, in the burnout realm? How can you make your flow sheet? How can you make your exercises a little bit more spicy, if you would, or have fun with it and play with it? Um, but thank you guys for for chatting with me today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jen. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you, Jen. Flying solo, my first time. Woohoo! I think I flew okay. I'm gonna land this plane safely now.
2: Smooth landing, no turbulence. Smooth, smooth
0: okay. landing, no turbulence. <laughs> So as always, guys, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at therapistemotion@spoonerpt.com. Thanks for listening.